You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. For all you Star Wars nerds out there, may the fourth be with you on this Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, Matt Miguez here. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Call us on the game hotline 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and by going to 133 on LUS Fiber. Couple of major stories to get to. The Kentucky Derby is in roughly 48 hours. We'll preview that. We'll also talk about this massive series between LSU and Auburn this weekend. Plus, staying on the topic of college baseball, a head coach has been fired for betting on games. Talk about all that. Plus, the Boston Celtics absolutely rolling in game two last night. James Mesh, my producer and co-host, sits on the other side of the glass. James, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Not too much, Matt. How are you? I am doing fantastic. And you know, let me let me, let me backtrack. Cause I I've I've noticed this for a while now, and I, I'm gonna have to call you out on it now. I ask you, hey James, how are you doing, buddy? Let's just avoid it. Hey Matt, how are you? <laughs> What's up, Matt? <laughs> like Okay, don't don't tell me how you're doing. That's fine. That's fine. Look, it's your prerogative, but I just I had to call you out on it. You just totally dodged the question completely. So what I'm going to start doing now is just saying, James. Miguel. There it is. Yeah. All right. So Gary Bohannon, the Brad Bohannon, excuse me, the head coach at Alabama for baseball has been fired amid a widespread investigation into suspicious betting activity on an Alabama baseball game against LSU last Friday night. Sportsbook surveillance video indicated that the person who placed bets was communicating with Bohannon at the time. And this is according to multiple sources with direct information about the investigation. The school has announced that athletic director has an Greg Byrne has initiated the termination process for Bohannon because of, among other things, he violated the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees. My initial question in all of this, and this ties into local because obviously it occurred in a game against LSU. My my first question, James, is, is this. How stupid, and I do mean stupid, can you be? I mean, that's idiotic. You are a college baseball coach making probably half a million dollars a year, if not more. And you coach one of the biggest universities. And you're going to bet on your own game while it's happening? 
how stupid can you be? Like, you you thought you were going to go unscathed? Like, at, at you didn't what, think you were going to get caught? At what point did you work through this process in your head and go, "Yeah, this is a good idea"? Idiot. Like, just just an iota of common sense. Just a, a finite amount of brains. And that would have never happened. That's just not smart. It's just not smart. And now you're out of a job because of it. Now, granted, in today's sports world, he'll, he'll have a new job in a year. But this is a terrible look, not only for him, but for the entire University of Alabama, yet again. Need, need we go back to, to the Darius Miles NATO situation from a couple months ago? It's a tough time to be in Tuscaloosa right now. And I, I, I'm just waiting to see if, if football's going to run into trouble. Because that's that's the next stone in line here. I I just I, I don't understand, man. And look, I, I I get it because I'm not in that position. I don't understand the the thought process or what. I get it. But just looking at it, you got to think that that wasn't going to work out well. You had to know that that wasn't going to work. But. Look, I, I, I digress. It is what it is. Uh, looking at some other top stories, seven-footer out of the University of Michigan, Hunter Dickinson, has announced his transfer to Kansas. Well, that's a big get for, for Bill Self and company. That'll make the, the Jayhawks contenders yet again. Um, Dickinson had an outstanding season over in Ann Arbor, and again, will we'll do a lot of good for the Kansas Jayhawks. He shot 60% from the field last season, and he was a second-team All-American, averaging 14 points and seven rebounds per game. Also in top stories, Lamar Jackson was asked about his new wide receiver weapons and how his outlook on the season was. And his quote, With the weapons we have... I want to throw for like 6,000 yards. I'm not an individual I'm not an individual award type guy or a stat watcher, but I want to do that because no one has ever done it and I feel like we have the weapons to do it. Now, to be fair, he wants to throw for 6,000 yards. James statistical check. Lamar has never thrown for more than 3200 in a season. I'm not saying he can't but that's a big old jump. You've never thrown for 3,200, but you want to throw for six? I mean, hey, re- reach for the stars, I guess, and hope that you land in the moon. I j- look, you look at that receiving core. It's good. Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman. I'm a fan of Devin DuVernay. You're kind of on, on wishy-washy. But I'm a fan of Devin DuVernay. Mark Andrews is the second best tight end in the league, in my opinion. He's got weapons now. 
The question... And they just drafted Zay Flowers in the first and, round. And you drafted Zay Flowers. The question is, can Lamar stay healthy? That is a big question. I just also... You, you talk about Rashad Bateman. I wonder... They took him a couple years ago in the first round. Mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering, of all those guys... He might be the odd one out. Do you think he might be the odd one out? I mean, why else would you draft another receiver in the first round? It's true. I never thought about that. Because, like, the, the the it's the same thing to me with Traquan, where it's like you give him the opportunity, like, hey, you're kind of going to have to be a big focal point of the offense, and he just hasn't been what feels like the guy that they need him to be. So that why why else would you draft another receiver in the first round when you draft when you sign two others earlier in free agency? It's a fair point. Going to the NBA now, the Boston Celtics, James. Where where did that come from? As Coach Joe Mazzula had said, they were pissed off that they had lost that first game. So even though I had said I would take them by four, I, I missed the three in front of that. <laughs> right. I did. I I forgot to say the thirty part of thirty four. One twenty one to eighty seven last night in game two. Look, masked Jalen Brown might be the new playoff Jimmy Butler. Like that that cat as if as if playoff Jimmy Butler is like out of style. Right, right. No, but Jalen Brown looked good last night. Oh, he's he's so good. 25 points, three rebounds, four assists, two steals as well. Malcolm Brogdon pouring in 23 off the bench. Now, Jason Tatum. What 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 happened? What happened there? Why did he only play 19 minutes and shoot one of seven from the field? He got put into foul trouble really early on. He got he got called for foul. He got two offensive fouls really early on, so he only played like 10 minutes that first half and they wanted to put him back in but then he got he got the third one so it was like well can't keep putting it out there and then early on in the third quarter he got another one because he was trying to go around in a screen by Embiid but his arm got kind of caught on Embiid so they end up smacking James Harden in the face so then they called a fourth foul on him and it's like alright well just gonna, just gonna have to take him out and he just never really got into a rhythm that's Luckily, Brogdon had stepped up, and Jalen Brown had a really efficient night himself. He did get seven rebounds, which which is nice. He added in three assists as well. But yeah, the the four fouls and again shooting one of seven from the field just not a great night. And it also didn't help that Embiid blocked two of his shots, right? Going for layups, so that that took away whatever whatever momentum, I guess you could say, or whatever rhythm Tatum could have gotten into. If he didn't have to worry about those fouls, or even if he did have the fouls, whatever rhythm he could have gotten into, it just wasn't there because he wasn't making the shots, and then whatever chance he had of making them, they were getting blocked. Right. So, Series now shifts to Philly. Game three will be tomorrow night. James, how many games do they take in Philly in this set? I think they take one. So it comes back to Boston 2-2. Right. Hmm. Make for an interesting... A very interesting 
series. We got a three guest show for you today. Jay Walker is going to join us at 4:30 for Cajuns Corner. Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn is going to join us at five to do a behind enemy lines preview of the Tigers, and then at 5:30, Michael Baychok is going to join us to talk about the most exciting two minutes in sports: the Kentucky Derby. All that and much more. Once again, hit us up on the game hotline 337-706-0111 here in, inside the FCO Development Studios. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. And when we return, we will do some K, some Tigers audio with head coach Jay Johnson right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, well, not to worry because the game 1037 Lafayette on 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland Athletics on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, 418. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Give us a call on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Let's go there now, Mr. Green. What's going on, sir? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. Let me start off by saying may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you, sir. <laughs> Let's not forget that tomorrow is Revenge of the 5th. This is the way. Okay, okay. <laughs> Look, man, I wanted to talk some hockey. I mean, oh, it's an please. exciting time. It's the it's the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Oh, please, please, let's talk some hockey. What you, so who you who you got? I mean, my Lightning got knocked out by the the Maple Leafs, but I can't pull for the for the Panthers over the Maple Leafs. But I can't pull for the Maple. I just hope both teams lose. Yeah, I mean that would that would be nice. I'm I'm not a fan of either team. Um, so look, my, my Capitals were never in it to begin with. Uh, so in that case, I've resorted to my second team, which is the Dallas Stars. Okay, that's fair. I guess I'm going to have to I, – I, I would normally pull for the Stars, but look, with the expansion and everything, how cool is it that the two newest teams are both in the playoffs, both in the second round, and, I mean, no offense to the Stars, of course, but both are leading those uh, series yep. currently. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has already had so much success. I mean, making the Stanley Cup final in their first year, uh, and like you mentioned – in the second round now having the lead over Edmonton and then the Kraken just their second season and and they're already doing what they're doing after having a really rocky year number one uh Seattle hockey is uh has been really fun to watch well they sure found something going on man I don't know what what happened how they managed to gel it together but man they look so good this year I got to watch a couple of games and I'm just going these guys could go all the way and, and and they're doing it with no. I, it just amazes me. And, and they're doing it without any like huge name guys. I mean, they have Jordan Eberle and and they've got Justin Schultz, but like no, they, they don't have a they don't have a stud. Right. Who el- who else have they got? Name another player. I can't. Right. But 
you know, it, we talk in baseball, we talk about small ball, right? Playing small ball. Well, in hockey, it's like they're playing the small ball equivalent of hockey. They're just doing the right things at the right time. They don't let the moment get too big for them. It's just been fun to watch. And Edmonton, who's been so bad for so long, you know, the fact that they're doing well, that's that's really cool to see, too. So, you know, it, it's just a great uh, – it's been a great season. I really think that uh, we're starting to see parity in the league more. I mean, it's no longer just, you know, a couple of big-name teams and – uh, you know, you, you get these little teams like uh, the Panthers coming in, and all of a sudden, who who would think the Florida Panthers would be making it to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Right, right. That that's been that's probably been the most surprising thing for me because for most of my life, the Panthers have been bottom feeders in the NHL, and, and for oh, yeah. them and for them to just be having success in the playoffs right now, like they are, has really been impressive. Well, I appreciate y'all taking my call. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching the the playoffs and uh, see what's going on with the NBA from time to time. And oh, one more question though: yeah. What is going on in Bama, man? First the basketball player, and then the coach coming under fire, and now the baseball coach. I mean, good grief! Nick Saban's next, right? God, I hope not. I mean, so, <laughs> that, that that's that's the line that they're headed on. I guess, but geez, man, like, I I actually like Bama. I'm an Arkansas fan first, Bama fan second, so sorry for all the people out there, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, man. Like, I don't know, do they need, do they need a new athletic director, do you think, or what's going on? Because something's got to give. It, it's out of, it's out of control over there. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, I guess a new athletic director might change things. Uh, but but at this point, I'm I'm starting to think that maybe the NCAA needs to step in. Yeah, they need to change the culture one way or the other. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the call. Y'all have a great rest of your day, Mr. Green. Appreciate you. So he he brought up the NHL playoffs, and and it's really been an exciting playoff run so far for quite a few teams. We talked about the Kraken; they have one nothing lead in the second round. Florida Panthers as well. The Vegas Golden Knights one of the other newest expansion teams. Tonight, you got the Panthers, Maple Leafs set for six, and then at 8.30, the Kraken and the Stars, uh, both Toronto and Dallas, looking to even the series there in in those two. Real quickly, though, before we get to Jay Johnson, because we're going to get there, James, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette has been under siege, if you will, especially their athletic department. So in, in the athletic department case, it's the University of Louisiana. For a video that got circulated on social media yesterday where they threw their athletes a crawfish boil to celebrate the end of school. And the first shot of the video... I thought it was a, like a all students. No, that one was athletes. That one was just for athletes. That one was athletes. Okay. They do Lanyab Day... For the students. Right. And that's like in mid-April. But the one yesterday was strictly student-athletes. Um, and, and the first shot of the video is them sprinkling, or the term is dusting, the crawfish with extra seasoning. I can tell you, just about every place in Lafayette seasons the water also. So 
Let's not do the, oh, Lafayette doesn't season the water. They just season it on the top because that's just, that's just false. Let's not do that. But you know who's benefiting from this whole conundrum? The athletic department. That video, all 44 seconds of it, has been viewed 122,000 times on Twitter. 122,000 times. The tweet has been interacted with over 700,000 times. So you know what the university's doing? Man, y'all keep arguing about what y'all do with crawfish. Our engagements are going through the roof. But I, I know you have an opinion on this. So, so real quickly, why don't you dust your crawfish? I mean, I don't. I wouldn't do it to that extent. Because that's that, that's that fair. was that's fair. A lot. That's fair. It was a lot. Because like I could understand like throwing it just a little bit on top, and like you said, put in some ice and let it seep in. But I mean, I'm just kind of more worried about just letting be in the water and soak it in from there. It's not that I'm opposed to dusting. It's just the amount that they did. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, it, partner! It, 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 it was it was a bit much. Uh, I will go. Got a <laughs> got, got, got a loose wrist with that one, huh? I will agree with you there. It, it, it was quite a bit, but anyways, Jay Johnson met with the media earlier this week to preview this weekend's matchup with Auburn, and Jay Johnson was asked to give his thoughts on the series between the two Tigers. Yeah, playing really well. Um, you know, returning Omaha team. Again, I think, um, you know, obviously winning two of three at South Carolina and putting themselves in position to sweep uh, with a one-run game on Sunday uh, obviously tells you their potential. Uh, swinging the bat about as good as anybody. Uh, really good lineup, really good top of the order. Um, you know, so we're going to have to pitch and defend well. Um, you know, Dale has thrown really good on Fridays. Um, you know, they have guys that certainly have really good stuff uh, out of the bullpen. And, yeah, I think it's a, another really good opponent. And I think, you know, once we get through all ten of these weekends, um, to me, they're all the same. You know, meaning uh, you have to play really well to win one, one game, let alone win a series, and that's what we'll have to do this weekend. Jay Johnson also looked back at their 10-0 run rule game against Southeastern earlier this week and said, we had a good game. I liked the seven-inning game because we got home before 11. Like, I think that was uh, good. Uh, I mean, it was the next one, so it was important. You know, I think getting out of it where um, the position players, you know, we play obviously our best guys every game that are available to play. It was nice to have all of them available to play last night. Um and uh, I thought we played well. I thought we managed the zone and hit mistakes and zero in the air column and six guys, you know, contributed to a shutout. Um, and then happy to happy to get out of there with a with a win for sure. Now that's the real goal. What get there before get back home before eleven? Get home before eleven. Yeah. The, the second he said that, I was like, man, that's not too bad. And that and that's the good thing about just playing right there in Hammond. It, it's it's not even an hour away. So, especially if you play a seven inning game, you just get in, get out, get home, and and that that makes that makes life easy. 
Uh, Jay Johnson also talked about his pitching staff and how in order for them to win games, they have to execute as a pitching staff. Well, I hope they're excited for every game, um, honestly. And, um, you know, I, they're as prepared as anybody can be um, with, with what we put in front of them. It becomes about execution. When we execute well, we get out. Um, when we don't in this league, you're going to get hit. And if, if you throw balls and give up free bases and then get hit, you're going to give up runs. And we've had a little of all of that, as has everybody in the conference. Um, you know, I don't we don't really put the opponent in front of them of like, hey, we're playing so-and-so, want to make it about us and how we execute. And I think that's the best formula for them to be successful. Um, but, hey, again, it's a, it's a returning Omaha team, clear-cut NCAA tournament team at this point in my eyes. Um, so it's going to be a great challenge and, um, you know, one we're looking forward to. He gave his thoughts on – the starting pitcher against Southeastern the other night, Gavin Gidry, a, a guy that's battled some injuries and battled, you know, cracking a spot in the rotation. He gave his thoughts on the former Barb Buccaneers performance. I thought he was great. Um, you know, we didn't, we actually didn't make the decision until yesterday morning. Um, I took all of Monday to just kind of think through how we wanted to do Tuesday. Uh, coming off of the weekend, there had to be a lot of critical thought in that, um, you know, it was, it was going to be one of like three guys. And then Wes and I talked in the morning yesterday and we're both pretty excited about, Hey, let's, let's go for this. And, and I called him and just said, you're starting. And then and immediately it was like, well, am I just going or like, what's the pitch count? And I was like, I, I feel good about 45. That'd be about as far as I'd go. And then, um, we just felt like, I think he threw 31 and I felt like at that time, it was a good, like, hey, we can have him pretty much available whenever we want now if we took him out right there. And so that was the decision to take him out right there. Jay Johnson also talked about, you know, when, when you look at this LSU team, obviously top-ranked in the country, they're well on their way to, to hosting a regional and potentially a, a super regional as well. But one thing that is kind of been a pleasant surprise for the Tigers has been their newfound catcher in Hayden Travinsky, a guy that also battled through injuries. He made an impact last year, couldn't get the starting spot this year because of the injuries that he was going through, went into the designated hitter role at times just to to be involved and has really popped off over the last couple of weeks. Jay Johnson was asked about Hayden Travinsky and he said that he's just been incredible. I think he's been phenomenal. I mean, again, uh, he's been beat up the last two years. I mean, I mean, he frankly got beat out because he couldn't play in the fall and wasn't healthy really as he was trying to get some reps going into the season. And the other two guys are really good players and, and present different skills. You know, to his credit, uh, he has maintained being a great team guy, um, handled it as, as well as you possibly can, and um, – was improving. Uh, literally, I watch every swing of, of batting practice, and it's like, man, that looks pretty good to me right now. Like, that's that's not off balance or long or super pitchable. It's balanced. It's tight. Um, it will translate into the game. And then we had a conversation um, a few weeks back. I would probably say 
maybe right after South Carolina, and I just said, hey, I can see you're improving. I think you're going to start to get a few opportunities now. And uh, a few of them were pinch hits. I know he had a pinch hit double uh, the first game against Nichols. Um, had some good walks and, and moved the offense and then um, felt good about starting him against Ole Miss in game two. Had a really good game there, both behind the plate, key RBI late, and then obviously the big homer. And then um, last week against Nichols, he started. I don't think he got any hits, but he took you know a bunch of really good at-bats and threw a guy out. So um, I think he typifies our team. Like he, he didn't make it about himself. He made it about the team and kept working and improving. And now he's in position to really help the team. And he's going to continue to play and, and help the team. We'll take a timeout. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun's Corner right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Austin's on the air from our sister station over at News Talk 98.5. is hosting Downtown Alive tomorrow night for Cinco de Mayo. Join all of us from Delta Media at Downtown Alive for Nation for Nathan Williams and the Zydeco Cha-Chas, followed by Little Nathan and the Zydeco Big Timers. Gates open at 5 p.m. this Friday at Park International. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajun's Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay, happy Thursday. Happy Star Wars Day. How are you? Uh, May the fourth be with you. So you get to go to your favorite place on planet Earth this weekend. Tell me how excited you are to be in Monroe, Louisiana. I'm so excited. I'm not going till tomorrow. So when you look at this series between the K- and wait, 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 let's okay. back up a little bit. All right, go ahead. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm not going up until tomorrow, and I'm so excited that right after the game Sunday, I'm driving back home and then driving back up to Ruston on Tuesday, so I don't have to spend five nights in North Louisiana. Oh, there, there it is, Jay Walker. There it is. So when you look at this series between. The Cajuns and the Warhawks, you know, ULM has given up 20-plus runs in, in two different games over the last couple of weeks. They're 15-29 and 29 on the season. They're 5-15 and 15 in the Sun Belt. I, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush, Jade. They're just not very good. I'm going to uh, quote one of my favorite people in Tony Robichaud. Only a fool underestimates his opponent. That team was one pitch away from beating Georgia Southern last Friday. They were two outs, nobody on. They were up a run on the road after busing from Monroe to Statesboro. Two out, nobody on. They walk a guy, they kick a ground ball, Ledford hits a three-run walk-off. They give up 35 the next day, 15 the day after. I don't know that they're capable of going out and winning a lot of series, but they're capable of going out and winning on a Friday. They're not a good baseball team, but they're capable of getting one from you anyway, even if you go and play well, because Barlow on Friday, everybody's got a Friday night guy. It's another roadism. Everybody's got a Friday night guy, and Barlow from Monroe is not bad. So you've got to go up, you've got to respect your opponent, and you've got to go out and play hard. I don't care that they gave up 25 runs one Saturday and 35 the next. 
Those are only two games. You still got to go play, and only a fool disrespects his opponent. You brought up Cam Barlow, 5.24 ERA, 3-4 and four so far on the season. He's given up 58 hits, 35 runs, 32 of those are earned. You know, and, and he talked about him being a good pitcher, and I'm going to give him credit. He is a good pitcher. How can the Cajuns' offense attack his pitching style in order to take game one from the Warhawks? Yeah, I think you got to use the middle of the field against him to start with. Okay, um, he's he's one of those guys, very very quick worker. Uh, I think you got to take him up the middle early, and then after you figure him out, then you can go ahead and and take the outside pitch, go oppo, do whatever it is you got to do. Um, but he's a, he's a guy that I think you got to work the middle of the field early in the game. Now, look, looking at some of their other pitchers, is there any extra juice with, with this series, knowing that Chipper Menard's now in the Monroe bullpen? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't know. You know, it might be a little extra juice for Chipper. I don't think it's any extra juice for the Cajuns, though, no. Let's go back to the, the series against Coastal Carolina last weekend. You know, you pick up the win Friday night in a in a big game and then Saturday, you know, things got away from you late. It was a 5-4 game headed into the 7th and then things really just got away from you there with that 7-run seven 7th. And then Sunday, you you were just an out away from from taking the series and Coastal got got a hold of a of a good pitch and and took it for a ride and next thing you know, you, you drop it in 11 innings. Um just how brutal of a defeat was that Sunday and how has the team kind of responded from that? Well, I guess we'll find out this weekend how the team has responded from it. And you're right. I mean, look, that was a tough one now. Um, it was, as losses go, man, you have to go to, to, to some games maybe in the postseason to find a loss as heartbreaking as that one was because I can't think of one during the regular season. Um, you know, look, nothing to say about game three except baseball got him. You know, dude – Dude hit a home run with two out in the ninth, and we had a home run, and the other guy pulled it back in the ballpark. Um, the, this game was designed to break your heart. I mean, that's we've said that about baseball forever, but let's go back to what you and I talked about last Thursday. Do you remember we were talking about Coastal, and I said when they get the lead man on, the question isn't if, it's how many. Now you go back to the innings where Coastal Carolina scored runs. They got the lead man on every time. Couple of except, couple of exceptions. You know, Lucky's two out homer in the ninth inning on Sunday. Um, the the first home run, which was hit by I think the number three guy in the lineup, and then the solo homer by Lucky on Friday. That's it. All the other games, they got the lead off man on, and sometimes they turned them into really big innings. I think overall the Cajuns did a very good job of keeping the lead man off base. There was only one time they got the lead man on that they didn't score, and I think it was Ben Tate walked the first guy, and then the next guy hit into a double play, and that got him off that hook. Um, Coastal's a very good team, but, man, when they smell blood in the water, they're really, really good. But they didn't score in a lot of innings over the weekend, if you go back and look. And so I think overall the Cajun pitching staff did a pretty good job despite the fact they gave up 23 runs. Now – to to stay on the topic of pitching, you know, Matt Matt Dex kind of went to this Johnny Holstaff approach, pitching by committee over the last week. You know, what, what were your thoughts on that mentality, and do you think it could continue? 
I, I, I don't see where he has a choice. Okay, I, you know, you've got three guys now that have been part of your plans all year long mm-hmm. that are not available. You know, including the guy who started the season as your Friday night dude, including the guy who started off as your Saturday dude, and your best left-handed reliever. And so now what you've had to do is you've had to take Cooper Rawls out of the bullpen and make him a starter. You're having to take David Christie out of the bullpen, make him a starter. So you've got to go do whatever you've got to do to win each and every game, understanding that you don't have near as many bullets in the gun as you used to. There's, you know, this one of the things that I liked about this Cajun pitching staff at the beginning of the season was I thought they had good quality depth. Well, man, you take three of your better guys out of there, and all of a sudden that quality depth isn't what it was. So he's going to have to do what he has to do to win every game. But but let me tell you what will make his job easier. If Nazu can get deep in the game on Friday, then he can go ahead and close out and then throw Rawls on Saturday and let him get deep into the game and then let, throw Christie on Sunday and let him get deep into the game. Where things screw up is if the starting pitchers have to come out early. Now you've got to mix and match, and maybe you've got to use Rawls, although you don't want to use them. Maybe you've got to use Christie, although you want to use them. Look, this is a big series for the Cajuns. First thing is win Friday. That is the first order of business. Win Friday. I don't care how you have to do it, and you know what? Neither does Matt Diggs. Chatting with Jay Walker here for Cajuns Corner. You brought up the injuries to the pitching staff. Has there been an injury update on Dylan Toit? Uh, nothing, nothing public. But I think if you see Dylan Toit in the Cajun uniform, um, it's going to be a major upset. I mean, you know, I look. None of us are stupid. Okay, we saw what happened to that young man on Friday. And we're not going to go ahead and say out loud what the diagnosis is because, you know, we've got laws that protect student-athletes when it comes to, uh, you know, your injuries and, uh, and getting really exact about it. But do we, need, do we need to get an update in order to know what's going on here? I don't think we do. No, no, not really. Um, I, I just didn't know if anything had become uh, officially public yet. Um, well, you know, the only thing that they can say, Okay, the only thing they can say is he's got an upper body injury. Okay, they can't say he's got a head injury or a waist injury or a chest injury or an arm injury. They're not allowed to say any of that without the permission of the student athlete. So I don't I don't think right. you're going to get like any official update on anything. Um, you may get an update on when he might be available again, but you're not going to get all of the sorted details about his injury because the law protects them. Now, now, Jay, let's go to softball real quick. An 8-1 to one win last night over Louisiana Tech. This program has now won 40 or more games for 24 straight seasons. I mean, yeah. th- that, that's just mind-blowing to even say out loud. Well, you know, that's as mind-blowing to say as 80. You know, 80 conference series in a row that they've won. Look, the numbers are what the numbers are. Um, but here's the thing that I think we need to stop and, and remember, and I've said this a few times over the years because winning championships in the regular season is something that the Cajuns do on a regular basis. You know, they need 
one win this weekend to win the regular season championship, clinch the number one seed for the tournament. That needs to be celebrated. All championships need to be celebrated, even though you may have bigger fish to fry. So I think after they win that first game, whether it be tonight or when it is, I think we all as fans need to stop, recognize the fact that they've won another championship, and then go ahead and reset the next goal, whatever that might be. But um, you know, winning doesn't get old, dude. I'm just telling you. No, winning no, does, does not, not get old. And if you, if you don't believe me, try not winning for a while. And then, and then go remember how great winning used to be, right? So, yep. you know, stop, celebrate the accomplishments that you have, move on from there. Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Cajuns, joining us for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate your time. Uh, in, enjoy Fun Row and Restonia. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. I'll look forward to it. And uh, right now I'm going to enjoy going to Lamson Park and watching the Cajuns. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. There you go, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. We'll take a timeout, and we'll wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, if you are, the game 1037 Lafayette on 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, flat screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is Crunch Time. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up here, hour number one in the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Should college football feel the need to avoid scheduling conflicts with the NFL? Yes, NFL's king. No, college can compete themselves. Maybe for the big games they could do it, or what's football? I watch soccer. Right now it's leaning towards no. College can compete, no doubt about it. 30% is going to yes, the NFL is king, while 27% goes to maybe for the big games, and then the last 7% is going towards the soccer vote. Some big news came while we were taking a timeout. Milwaukee Bucks have dismissed Coach Mike Budenholzer, according to one Adrian Wojnarowski. Budenholzer is out after the East top seed suffered a first-round loss to the Miami Heat. Some big-time news right there, Matt. I don't like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it. I mean, look, I, I know that the world of sports has become a, you know, a what have you done for me lately? Like, remember the Raptors head coach got fired after he won coach of the year not too long ago. Yeah. No, I mean, I know. But, like, if you look at it, so since he took over in Milwaukee in 2018, they had a winning percentage of 73, 77, 64, 62, 71. They had a 71% winning percentage this year. But yet, because they 
exited in the first round canned. It's a bit much. The guy's also won you a title. Now, am I saying, oh, he's won an NBA championship, he should have his job forever? No, that's not what I'm saying. But after a year where you just went 58 and 24, and he's only won less than 50 games one time in his five years as head coach, I don't think that warrants being fired. That was just tough to watch this year. With you being the one seed and you lost to the eight seed, which do you know how often that happens? It's not very often. No. But less than a handful of times. Your 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 MVP was not a hundred percent. No. Plus, off the court issues, Mike Boonholzer's brother died during the series. Mm-hmm. That takes a toll on people. Now, am, am I saying, oh, his brother died. Maybe we shouldn't fire him. Again, no. It's a business. But his numbers don't look like numbers of a guy that should be fired. I mean, God, he has a 60% winning per- he has a 600 winning percentage in the playoffs in his time in Milwaukee. 69% of the regular season and 60% in the playoffs. Those are good numbers. Those are great numbers, actually. You've won three out of every five playoff games that you've ever played in? Are you kidding me? Those are great numbers. I'm I'm actually pretty shocked by this move. Uh, I'm not even going to lie. But hour number one in the books, hour number two, we're going to kick it off with Jacob Goins of ESPN and Auburn behind enemy lines as the Tigers travel to Auburn to play the Tigers this weekend right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In hour number one, we talked about the breaking news out of the University of Alabama. We looked at the NBA playoffs. We heard from Jay Johnson and chatted with our guy, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Now, let's shift gears to the other side of the LSU baseball matchup this weekend. Let's talk about their opponent, the Auburn Tigers, 25 and 18 so far on the season. They have a tie in there as well, 9 and 12 in the SEC game one tomorrow at 6 o'clock, pregame beginning at 5 30, and you can catch it right here. On the game, Jacob Goins of ESPN 106.7 in Auburn joins us on the game hotline. Jacob, what's going on, my man? How are you? Doing fantastic, guys. It's been a few days, or it's been a little bit, huh? But I hope you all are doing well. And, uh, yeah, we have a couple of things to talk about, I think, when it comes to Auburn and LSU and uh, baseball around the SEC. Yeah, l- let's start with the baseball around the SEC. What the hell is going on in Tuscaloosa? Man, the amount of times that we 
tried to answer that question on my show today, and guys, I cannot tell you how many Auburn fans called into our show this afternoon and they said, man, what a beautiful day it is in Auburn, Alabama. Sure, the sun is shining and there's not a cloud to be seen, but they just weren't talking about the weather, guys. They were talking about what's going on in Tuscaloosa. And, and guys, that's a million-dollar question. What in the world is happening right now at the University of Alabama? They just cannot get out of their own way. It is football, basketball, baseball. It's been a disaster for that Alabama athletics department and athletic director, Greg Byrne, who uh, I was told today he's not in any, in any scenario going to get fired. Um, maybe no hot seat or anything like that, which kind of came to a surprise to me, given just what we've seen go down with, we saw some guys get in trouble with Alabama football, right? Obviously the Alabama basketball situation with Brandon Miller and how that was handled is about as poorly as possible from the Alabama Athletic Department. And here we are over the last, what, 72 hours? We've seen news come out about Alabama baseball being shut down in sports books because there was some insider information going on, and it turns out it was the Alabama head coach, Alabama baseball head coach, who has been fired today for cause, who probably had something to do with that. So, Man, I don't know what's going on over there. And, and credit to Alabama, they, they did their own investigation. The SEC came in and did their investigation. Uh, I would assume the NCAA would get into this as well, but whatever that means when the NCAA gets involved. But, yeah, Alabama at least jumped out in front of this and, and has fired their, their baseball coach as of today. And, and, man, it's been a nightmare in Tuscaloosa over the last six months. Now, you know, to, to kind of piggyback off of something you said there, you, you talked about the athletic director, Greg Byrne, and, and how th- there's no inclination that he, he's, he's going to get fired. The, the question, the, the counterpoint that I would have to that is the NCAA loves to use this term lack of institutional control when, 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 they're, published, when they're punishing universities. Is, is that not exactly what's going on in Alabama? It seems like it. And look, guys, I I am under the assumption that I don't know how you keep your job after what the last year has been. I mean, anybody else in any other position at any other institution, whether it be sports related or not, if you had this bad of a year in a big of a position as Greg Byrne is in as the athletic director for the University of Alabama, you would be fired in any other position in any other company for having a, a year like this. And uh, our guest, we had a guest, Chris Gordy, who's the host of Locked on yeah. SEC. He was on our show today and talked about how this baseball situation in particular, and it was a good point. He said, how much does Greg Byrne really control that? And how much did he have to do with that? You can't really control your head baseball coach being involved in some gambling scheme. Like, yeah, you'd like to have better guys in there, but that's not on Greg Byrne, and I thought that was a good point. But I'm with you guys. I, I just don't see how he keeps his job, but that's the information I'm being told right now is that it doesn't seem to be uh, Greg Byrne in trouble or have a hot seat in any way as the athletic director at Alabama. Now, let's focus on the Auburn Tigers. You know, you look at, at their baseball season so far, 25-18-1, and 9-12, in the SEC. So if you do the math, you're 16, 6, and 1 headed into SEC play. Where, where have things kind of gone off the rails a little bit for the Tigers? 
Well, unfortunately, Auburn uh, got hit with the injury bug, right? And it got hit in the pitching staff where Auburn has lost just about every guy that, that they planned on using this year as a starter on the mound and even some help out of the bullpen as well. And the biggest one was when uh, Gonzo, Joseph Gonzalez, was officially listed as out uh, about a week ago or so when he, he's been dealing with some injury. And Auburn did a good job of not rushing him back, and they were trying not to pressure him. And they were honestly, guys, to be honest with you, they were being a little hush about it, not in a bad way, but just sort of doing their own rehab with him and, and keeping him on the down low and didn't want to rush him back into anything. And he was starting to get some work in practice and some bullpen work and just wasn't ready to go. And so they shut him down for the year. And that's Auburn's go-to guy and has been uh, for the last two years. And so with that and just so many other injuries in the pitching room, uh, Auburn has struggled to keep teams under five runs. And, and you look at how the SEC started. You got swept by Arkansas. Uh, you gave up, I believe, seven runs and then nine runs and, and maybe it was a, like a five to nothing shutout or, or something like that in the first series against Arkansas. And then it's just been a battle for this team because the offense has been fantastic, right? The offense for Auburn, that's not a problem at all. They can hit the baseball. They can hit it when they have to. They can hit it where they have to, and they can also hit the long ball. And so offense is not an issue for this Auburn team. It's just the problem of having to score 10 to 12 runs in an SEC baseball game to really feel comfortable about yourself. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are like 10 to 12 runs in baseball. That's insane. But it's true because this Auburn pitching staff is just so diminished right now. Right. And the big thing, guys, that's gotten them in SEC play is walks. They have walked people constantly and just double-digit walks game after game after game. And you guys know this better than anybody. You can't walk guys in the SEC because yeah. if you walk them, the good teams take advantage of it, like an LSU team that Auburn's going to see this weekend. Yeah, you know, this past weekend, Auburn went to Columbia and played number two South Carolina, taking two out of three in that series. What do you think that's done for this Auburn team from a confidence standpoint to now facing the top team at home this weekend? Well, there was a there was a time where it was it was kind of dark here for Auburn baseball when they went to Alabama and they won the first game of the series on that Friday night there in Tuscaloosa back in mid-April. And then they dropped the next two. They had a chance to take the series against what we'd, we'd call a, an average Alabama team uh, at the time. And, and Auburn had a chance to win that series, win the in-state rivalry, continue a little bit of momentum. And they dropped those two games in the series, and they lost it there in Tuscaloosa. And so Auburn fans were like, well, what in the world is going on? What do we have to do? And with Mississippi State coming to Placement Park the following weekend – it pretty much put the pressure that that was a must-win series for the Tigers, and that's what they did. They went out and beat Mississippi State in game one in a shocking 2-1 result, which that's got to be one of the lowest ones in Auburn's entire year. Uh, then you lose the second game in a, in a heartbreaker 11-10, to and then you clean up on that third game by 12-11. to And so you beat Mississippi State, who, again, is not what they normally are, right, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Both of those teams are just not where they usually are. Uh, the back-to-back, both of them uh, coming off of national championships. And then you go after that Mississippi State series, right? You're feeling pretty good. You go into a must-win series. You get the win like you needed to. And Auburn backs it up with a midweek loss to Troy at home, 8-7, to seven, where, again, walks plagued the Tigers. Uh, they just couldn't get the outs that they needed on the mound. 
And so the confidence was not extremely high going on the road to number two South Carolina there in Columbia. But the Tigers, the one thing that Auburn has done so well this year, fellas, is when they have to have it, when they absolutely got to have it, they get the hit. And it's usually not from people you'd expect. It's really not. It's guys like Bobby Pierce and and Nate LaRue who come in, and even Justin Kirby who come in and get those timely hits. And you saw that on the road this past weekend at number two, South Carolina. You took game one and game two. And I'll be honest, Auburn should have swept South Carolina. They had a chance in that game and just couldn't come away with it in an 8-7 to loss on Sunday. So where does that bring Auburn now? Confidence is really, really high. No, their pitching hasn't really gotten any better health-wise, but I think maybe the confidence is there. And when when you get a win over number two South Carolina or just the number two team in the country in general, uh, you get a lot of confidence. But I said today on the show their reward is number one LSU, who, guys, they are just unbelievable. This LSU team, as, I, as I've been researching and kind of looking at them as we get closer to this series, I mean, what an unbelievable squad uh, the Tigers have down there at Baton Rouge. Yeah, they've, they've been absolutely fantastic this season. But, you know, when you look at – when you look at the Auburn Tigers from an offensive perspective, Ike Irish leads the way from a batting average perspective with a 370 average, 39 RBIs, 19 doubles on the season. But talk to me about Bryson Ware, a 347 average. He's got nine doubles, 18 homers, and 52 RBIs. He's just been launching baseballs beyond the center field wall. Yeah, he sees the baseball really well. He's played in all games this year, and you mentioned his his hitting numbers, 18 homers and and 52 RBIs. He's your guy that you know is always going to be there. He's always going to step up, and he's he's going to get you good plate appearances. And I think that's something in baseball, especially in college baseball, and especially in the SEC where you face so many good pitchers like they're going to see this weekend. For Butch Thompson – You have to be able to look at a guy like Bryson Ware and say, I need you to be you, and I need you to get us some hits. And he's a guy that is never really in a slump. He hits 347 this year. He's he's really, really good offensive numbers, and he's a guy that you can always rely on if you're Butch Thompson and this Auburn team to, to get you the hits, to hit the long ball. With 18 home runs, that is more than anybody on the team uh, by far. I I think Cooper McMurray uh, has 12, which would be the second on the team, but uh, it's just he's a guy, Bryson Ware, who has been in this spot before. He's a guy that loves Auburn, and Auburn loves him, and, and he's a guy that Butch Thompson can rely on with the bat. Jacob Goins of ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Jacob, as we start to wrap up, you know, if you had to give three keys to victory for, for Auburn baseball this weekend in a series over LSU, what would, what would they be? Oh, goodness. I, I think they're going to need more than three. But uh, I think the, the first one is to not walk people, right? Don't walk batters. It's going to happen here and there. But what we saw back in that Texas A&M series where Auburn was, where Auburn was walking guys in double digits, but Auburn cannot do that against LSU because LSU is way too good. They're too good to hit the ball. You don't have to give them any free passes. I promise you that. They, they are good enough offensively on their own to, to not have to give them walks. So I think that's one thing for Auburn is, is don't walk a ton of batters. Uh, feed off the home crowd. You're at home this weekend. Build off your momentum coming off that South Carolina series. Uh, and you're at home at Plainsman Park. I don't know if you guys saw this, but one of the greatest traditions in the SEC for football is that 
uh, Auburn lets the Eagles soar across the stadium, right? They yeah, actually I, I announced did see that they're this. going to do that tomorrow on Saturday in or before the Auburn LSU game, game two. They're going to let the Eagle fly around Plainsman Park. So I think that's going to be a really, really neat experience. And, and Auburn has to they have to find a way to keep the audience in it, keep the home fans in it. And I expect LSU fans to travel, no doubt. But I think if you can limit walks, feed off the home crowd, and the mindset for me, guys, is Auburn has to get one. That's what we talked about going into the series last weekend, and they got two. And I think if you're Auburn and you get one win here, you put yourself in a really, really good spot because you have nine SEC wins on the year. Uh, the, the sweet spot, the, the number you're looking for is, is minimum 13, but really 14 conference wins to get yourself in position for postseason play. And with Ole Miss and Missouri after this, if Auburn's able to get one this weekend against LSU, uh, they should be in a good spot to do that. Jacob Goins of ESPN 106.7 in Auburn joining us here on the game hotline. Jacob, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the series this weekend over at Plainsman Park, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Should be a good series. And there he goes, Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn. We'll take a timeout here, 517 on your Thursday. When we return, we'll continue talking about the NBA playoffs, plus take your calls on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Brobridge Crawfish Festival is returning this weekend at Park Hardy in Brobridge. General admission tickets range from $5 to $15, or you can get an advanced three-day pass for $25. The musical lineup includes Wayne Toops and Zyda Cajun, Jamie Bajeron, the Kickin' Cajuns, Gino Delafosse and French Rock and Boogie, Chubby Carrier and the Bayou Swamp Band, and more. Great food, great music, and great times at the Brobridge Crawfish Festival. For more information, head to www.bbcrawfest.com. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 521. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, we talked earlier about the Celtics in the NBA playoffs. Let's look at tonight's game because there's only one. It is the Lakers and the Warriors. The Wakers. The Los Angeles Wakers. This is a big opportunity for the Warriors to tie this game up. They have tie to tie the series. You have to. They have to. If you don't tie the series, because I know we say that, and the Warriors went down 0-2 to the Kings last series, and they ended up winning it in seven. This is different. But you have an experienced Lakers squad that have been playing really well. It's a lot more dangerous. As much as I dislike LeBron James. I am not giving him any more advantages than he already has. Because believe me, he's got advantages. He's a freaky athlete, and the refs love to give him phantom calls. But if you're the Warriors, 
You have to tie this series, and then I think you have to take one in L.A. Because I think if after four games you're down 3-1, to one, I think you're done. I don't see you winning three straight games against this Lakers team the way that they have been playing. I mean, the numbers Anthony Davis put up in game one is just disgusting. Now, he might pull a hamstring and be out for a month tomorrow. You never know with that guy. There's a reason his nickname is Street Clothes Davis. But if the Lakers continue to play the way that they're playing right now, Golden State is going to struggle to get out of this series. So, the best thing for you to do is to take game two tonight, tie it one to one, and then regroup for game three from there. You know, when you when you look at these playoffs and you look at the way that things have, have kind of gone down, tomorrow night is going to be incredibly entertaining between the Nuggets and Suns and then, of course, the Celtics and the Sixers. Denver's up 2-0 in that series. And now they're back in Phoenix, so that gives a little bit of an advantage to the Suns. James... Is Phoenix able to win both of these and tie the series, or is it going to be 3-1 Denver? I worry that it becomes 3-1 Denver. Because yeah. that Nuggets squad's so good. Yeah, they are. It's tough. And like I know you got a lot of talent. They've got a bunch they got a bunch of pieces. They got a bunch of pieces in Phoenix. But I think the gel and the chemistry with the Nuggets, it's too much. Jokic, Murray. Contavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon. I mean, you have got a well put together squad in Denver that knows how to win. They just they know how to win. And I think that that is going to pay dividends for them. And the other big aspect of this, James, is look at their injury report. Nobody. You're healthy. That's the biggest factor right now. The fact that there is nobody listed on your depth on your injury report is the biggest advantage you can have at this point in the season. And I know Chris Paul is the only name on the Suns injury report, and he's listed as a game time decision. But I think uh, again the the fact that you're up two two zero, you're going to play a little more light, you're going to play a little more loose. And you have the cohesion, you have the health. I, I'm starting to question whether the Suns win a game at all. To to be quite honest, I mean, if if the if the Nuggets take Game Three tomorrow night, I might say it's over on Sunday, in Game Four. Because that's that's just kind of how the NBA playoffs work. Sometimes is it, it's really hard to come back from a three zero deficit. It's actually never been done. And it's tough because I've looked a couple of reports now throughout. It looks like Chris Paul could miss games three, four, and five. Correct. With that groin injury. So if that's the case, unless Devin Booker just becomes a demigod. Or Durant. Like if either one of them, unless one of them steps up and wins you a couple games – and keeps you alive to game six and or seven. 
I don't see how the I don't see yep. how the Suns can win it. I'm, I'm starting to think that that it's just kind of run out on them. And man, look, I know I'm looking ahead, but if the Western Conference Finals is the Nuggets against the winner of the Warriors Lakers, ooh, buddy, that that's gonna be one hell of a series. But and then and then let's say because I feel like this is gonna be a really long series. I this is gonna go six or seven with the Lakers and Warriors more likely than not. So if the Nuggets get it done in four or five, they're just gonna be chilling. Yep. They're just gonna be chilling, waiting, getting healthy. Yep. Even though they already are healthy. And that's, just and staying that's even dangerous. more healthy, getting some nice rest. And that's dangerous. That's gonna be really, really dangerous. Looking at the MLB we talked about the Houston Astros yesterday, and they're going to go on a nine-game road trip starting tomorrow night. Right now in the major leagues, top of the ninth, the Braves lead the Marlins 4-3. to three. Bottom of the first, Red Sox up on the Blue Jays 1-0. Final score, Nationals beat the Cubs 4-3. to three. The Tigers beat the Mets 2-0. The Rays beat the Pirates 3-2. to two. The Angels beat the Cardinals 11-7. to seven. And earlier there was a game between Minnesota and Chicago that went to 12 innings. And for the longest time, it was 3-3 between these two teams. Or it was 2-2. And then a five-run 12th inning from Minnesota made it a 7-2 game, and the White Sox were only able to get one of those runs back for a 7-3 victory for the Twins in 12 innings earlier today. The Twins are now 18-14 and 14 on the season, while the White Sox fall to 10-22 and 22 on the season. A high-scoring game in the MLB today. The Orioles took down the Kansas City Royals 13-10 earlier today. And now when you look at the MLB standings, the AL West... Not really what you expected. The Texas Rangers have an 18 and 12 record. They lead the division. The Angels one game behind at 18 and 14. The Astros two and a half back at 16 and 15. The Mariners are 15 and 16. They're three and a half back. And then leading up the pack, the Oakland Athletics at six and 26 on the season. They are 13 games back already over on the Bay. The St. Louis Cardinals 10 and 22. The Rockies. 12 and 20, the Nationals 13 and 18, the Royals 8 and 24, and then last place in the AL East, the New York Yankees at 17 and 15. Take a time out here on Crunch Time 5:30. When we return, this weekend is the most exciting 2 minutes in sports. The run for the roses the first leg of the Triple Crown, all the names you want to call it. It's the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs right outside of Louisville. Michael Baychock, our horse racing expert, he's going to join us. We'll talk about how the weather's going to play a factor with some rain in the forecast. We'll get his thoughts on which horses really stand out and from which post position they have the best luck. We'll do that and more next right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. FanDuel is the only sportsbook app where you can bet the Kentucky Derby happening this Saturday. And right now, all customers can get a no-sweat derby bet up to $20. That means you'll get up to $20 back if your win bet doesn't win. 
I'm going to take Confidence Game, who's now 20 to 1 odds instead of 30 to 1 that I had mentioned previously, to win the Kentucky Derby. FanDuel, they have great promotions every single day. The app is safe and secure, and then you're going to get paid instantly when your bet hits. So, if you, I mean, if you take Confidence Game at 20 to 1, you're going to get paid pretty instantly. So, bet America's number one's race this Saturday on America's number one sportsbook. Just visit racing.fanduel.com slash KLWB for your chance at a no-sweat derby bet up to $20 this Saturday for the Kentucky Derby. That's racing.fanduel.com slash KLWB. You must be 21 or older and reside in Louisiana. Permitted pairs only. Offer valid on first derby win wager. Verified FanDuel racing account required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable racing site credit that expires June 12, 2023. Restrictions apply. See terms at racing.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 536, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The run for the roses is in 48 hours, actually a little less than 48 hours now, Saturday afternoon at Churchill Downs in Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby. There are currently 20 horses in the mix, including a a last-minute scratch earlier today to get the info on all of that and the horses that stand out is the game's horse racing expert. Mr. Michael Baychok. Michael, really appreciate you taking the time, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on today. So the the first question that I have is if you look at the weather forecast for Saturday, it looks like there's going to be some rain in the forecast for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, how is that going to play a factor in the race, knowing that, that you're going to have to have some experience on a muddy track in order to be successful? Yeah, so... The, the composition of the Churchill Downs track in Louisville is very sandy. Um, so, you know, in, unless it really rains, like, during the race or, you know, 30, 40 minutes before the race, you know, we're likely to have a fast track. Um, so I, I honestly have not even thought about, um, because the weather forecast I've looked at doesn't seem to indicate that it's going to be rain, like, afternoon. There's going to be rain Friday night for certain, lots of it, maybe an inch. But by the time the race rolls around at, you know, 6 o'clock our time on Saturday, it'll be a dry track just because it drains so well and and they'll work it very hard. So, um, you know, but that being said, um, you know, if it is a sloppy track, you, you certainly want to look to a horse that's, you know, won a race over a sloppy track before and that one of those horses is confidence game who won the Rebel Stakes up at uh, Arkansas over a very sloppy track. Um, but most of you know, that sometimes is a little overblown. A lot of these horses can run on just about anything. This Kentucky Derby is going to be the 149th running at Churchill Downs. Now, speaking of Churchill Downs, earlier this week, there was an investigation launched into four deaths of horses at the facility. Uh, what can you tell us about that and what's kind of – the, the steps to be taken here in terms of that investigation? 
Well, it's had some serious ramifications in the last uh, three or four hours. Uh, a trainer who, you know, who accounted for two of those horse deaths over the past week at Churchill Downs, his horses have been scratched for the entire weekend, and one of those is and was Lord Miles in the Kentucky Derby coming out of post-position 19. So he won't run because um, the trainer, Safi Joseph Jr., um, his horses have been ruled off of the track, and he will not be allowed to enter or run any horses uh, at Churchill Downs um, for the foreseeable future. So that's one ramification. There was also another earlier scratch today for a horse um, that just spiked the temperature. And this, you know, sometimes happens. Horses, you know, they can come down with a little bit of a cold or something. And that's practical move. And that that's a horse that was, you know, probably within the top four of most people's picks. Um, he won the Santa Anita Derby. Um, he's won his last three races, but he won't run. Uh, on Saturday at all um, due to the scratch. So that lets in the horse that uh, ran second in the Santa Anita Derby, Mandarin Hero. A lot of people were hoping to see him running from Japan. And it also lets in a horse, Cyclone Mischief, uh, who will prop- won't really have a shot, I don't think, to win, but would definitely increase the early pace uh scenario he has a little bit of speed and in a race that's lacking some speed his entrance into the race from the far outside post definitely you know would change the pace setup of the race a little bit now looking at the layout of the field uh two trainers that that really stick out are, are todd pletcher and brad cox both of these guys have multiple horses in the event pletcher has won the derby twice and has won the Belmont Stakes three times. Uh, with with his three horses in the field, is it kind of one of these guys' derby to lose? I think so. I think that's, that's accurate. There's no question that Pletcher, with the favorite, Forte, um, horse has done almost nothing wrong in his career, uh, won six out of seven, um, had a terrific prep race um, in, in the Florida Derby, is working well um, and deserves to be the favorite. So it's really kind of his race to lose. And on the other hand, Brad Cox, who you know has a Derby win to his credit, albeit by disqualification of Medina Spirit um, in 2021. Um, he also has a horse that you know, Angel of Empire, uh, who has done nothing wrong this year. Two for two, won the Arkansas Derby. He's he's a he's a pick of a lot of you know so-called, including myself, <laughs> experts. Um, so you know when you have you know uh, a third of the field almost, you, you, you figure like well you definitely have a better mathematical shot. Right. So um, you know and and then Pletcher also has Tappet Trice, who you know he might Todd Pletcher might have the first two favorites in in the race and. And that mathematically, that would give him, you know, somewhere around uh, 45% chance to win the race if you just look at the, the, you know, the math of having the two favorites. So it's definitely one of those two guys' race to to lose. I I just, I have to ask, where do jockeys and and trainers come up with the names for, for, for their horses? Because they're always just odd, off the wall. Horse names. 
Those are those, and I'm guilty of this myself, owning a few. Uh, but those are uh, those come from owners usually. The owners usually get to name the horse. Sometimes breeders uh, who will sell a horse will name them before they sell them, and then an owner may or may not change that name. But uh, you know, in those 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 odd names come from usually the owners, and there's usually you know some sort of play on. The, the father, the sire, and the dam, the mother. Um, but a lot of times, like you say, there, there can be some some rather odd names uh, that come that come up. You brought up confidence game earlier uh, when we were talking about horses that have won on a sloppy track. Uh, what, what stands out about this horse? He, he's trained by a local guy in, in Keith DeZormo and has pretty – interesting odds at, at 20 to one this weekend. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on confidence game? He has that race that he won over the slot. Uh, he, you know, he's lost to a couple of these in here, uh, before that. Uh, but the race that he won, you know, he looked really good. The problem that I have with him and I, and I know Keith DeSormo from Maurice and, uh, he's a terrific trainer. Um, um, but he didn't run. He hasn't run since he won that last race. And that's kind of a, um, a red flag. You would normally see one more prep race um, after a win in February. So he hasn't run, um, you know, in two months. And, and that and that can be a bit of a concern. So there's a reason why he didn't run. Maybe the race that he won took too much out of him. So um, I would have sure loved to see him run, even if he didn't win, of course, in, in the last six weeks. But he didn't and horses that don't run you know don't have that race within the last six weeks or so really statistically are kind of up against it because they're going a mile and a quarter and you just need to have as much uh conditioning and training under your belt um to to get that that long distance and i just fear that that he's probably you know a half of a race short on saturday but that if he runs back in the preakness two weeks later he probably would be um, you know, dead fit for that race. Yeah, Chur- Churchill Downs is just a, a monster track compared to to some of the others. Now, looking at post position, how how does that play a factor? Is, is there a certain gate or post that has produced more winners than than others? Yeah, I mean, you know, most of the posts uh, you want to kind of be in the middle. But I would say, you know, instead of finding, instead of looking at a post that has produced the most, you kind of want to look at the post that has produced the least. And and the one hole, you know, the post position one where our, we talked about Brad Cox, he has a horse that ran second in the Wood Memorial hit show in that post. That's just really uh, the one in the two inside posts, and Brad Cox has both of those. Those are both just very difficult to cup to win from because. There's usually you're going to encounter some bumping or some traffic unless you're going to go straight to the front, which is, you know, you can get away from all the traffic. And, but it's because horses just tend to want to get to to the space that you're occupying, which is near the rail. So those two posts are really difficult to win from. Uh, you know, horses have won from all the other ones. Um, and, and people say, well, the outside posts are bad, but we had you know, winners from those outside posts recently. And with the, there's a new gate that they've been using the past 
three or four years, I think, it gives those outside horses just a little bit more space, too, so they're not really kind of all crowded up. But the inside is kind of where you want to um, – where you want to just not be drawn for the race. And unfortunately right. for Brad Cox, that's where his two, two of his horses are drawn to the inside. Michael Baychock, a horse racing expert, joining us here on Crunch Time. Michael, before we let you run, you know, give me give me some long shots to look out for this weekend, and then of course give me give me your pick to win the Kentucky Derby. Okay, um, so I'm I'm kind of married to uh, Angel of Empire. That's number fourteen, one of the Brad Cox horses. Uh, I just really liked this horse's race in the risen star at the fairgrounds. And then he, he just stamped himself as a, as a legitimate contender when he won the Arkansas Derby, his, just because of his, the way he visually wins is, is the way you see a horse visually win the Kentucky Derby. So I bet him early, um, at 55 to one in a future book, but he'll be probably in the six or eight to one range on Saturday, which is, Plenty good enough, you know, for me. So Angel of Empires will be my my top pick. And then I'm going to give, a, you know, a horse that um, is going to be a long shot in here, um, and that is um, Skinner. And I'm trying to find his number. But Skinner is a horse that ran third. He's the nine horse. He ran third in the Santa Anita Derby. Um, but he just looks like a horse that, that wants to go a lot longer, and he seems to be a horse that's improving. Um, and he has a trainer that knows how to win a, a lot of big races in John Sheriffs, um, who has won a Kentucky Derby before. So he's just got a, a lot of pluses. But the biggest plus to me is that this horse Skinner, the nine, will probably be, you know, 30 to one. And, and those are just the type of odds that I like to find in a big, you know, race with 20 different horses. You you got to really be looking for, for long odds. So those, those are going to be the two that I've kind of will construct my, my, most of my tickets around Angel of Empire and Skinner. Michael Baychock joining us here on Crunch Time. Michael, really appreciate your time. I, enjoy the Kentucky Derby this weekend and the, you know, the, this kind of the heat or, or the playoffs, if you will, for the Triple Crown and horse racing. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Good luck to everybody. And there he goes, Michael Baychock, our horse racing expert. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app, and it is your one-stop shop for all things Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free app today for Apple or Android devices by searching the game Southwest Louisiana. That way, no matter where you are, you can listen to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 553, almost 554. Earlier we heard from Jay Johnson previewing the series against Auburn. One clip that I didn't get to get to. And by the way, thanks to our friends at Tiger Bait for, for hooking us up with the audio. But one thing that I didn't get to get to about 
from this press conference is Jay Johnson was asked, has this season gone the way you expected it to? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I asked the players not to get too far ahead of themselves. So I try not to do that as well. I think with this team, you know, having so many guys that can make a positive contribution, it allows you the freedom to, you know, I don't want to say try things, but think ahead a little bit and ensuring we're ultra prepared for what's to come. And so this year it's always been about staying in the moment, task at hand, and then having this bigger picture understanding of, okay, this is what we're going to need down the road. Okay. You know, if you get behind in an NCAA tournament game, you can't, you can't freak out, abandon your plan. You have to keep playing the game. Well, these guys do that better than anybody else, you know, um, okay, a couple guys are down, so some guys have to maybe go in a little bit different direction. Like, I just feel like we'll be ultra prepared, and that's all you can ask for. And then it just becomes about the play, and I trust our team, you know, in any any situation. So I kind of look at it more that way. Um, but I will say it's it's been good to, you know, be able to put things in front of them of what we're going to need to do and have them not lose the focus on right now. And that's just another credit to them them being dialed in now james we haven't gotten to talk much nfl today so this is an interesting i know i've been sad concept from pff take the top two quarterbacks from this draft class so bryce young and cj stroud and the top two quarterbacks from the next draft class caleb williams and drake may rank the four of them in your in your opinion rank rank one through four who would? Where would you? Where would your priorities lie through those four? We're looking at just straight talent. Yeah, you'd probably go uh, Caleb, then Bryce, then probably go Drake May, C.J. Stroud. But have to look a little more into it. You have Stroud at four. It, it could interchange, but I think like talent wise, with what you saw with Bryce Young in Alabama, I feel like he's the number two guy. Hmm. See, I would go Bryce, mm-hmm. Williams, mm-hmm. Stroud, May. I like what I've seen out of Drake, out of Drake May, but nothing's really like, oh my God, he can do something that nobody else can. He's just playing well. Bryce Young, Caleb Williams. And I would even go as far as to say C.J. Stroud do things that you don't see very often, um, and and it's been super impressive to watch those guys work. And I have no doubt that both Young and Stroud getting drafted this year will have successful careers in the NFL. I want to take this time to thank Jay Walker, Jacob Goins, and Michael Baychuk for joining us. Come back tomorrow for a 90-minute Friday fun show as we get you set for LSU and Auburn on the Plains. Jake Crane will join us for Jake's Takes and much more right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station for James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow 4 to 5.30 right here on the game. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.